Hi, this is Chip, and this is Two Minute Time Lord Podcast number 193, a time dilation episode looking back at last week's Gallifrey One convention. So I had some awesome plans for the convention in terms of providing you daily updates and things like that, and it just didn't happen. I found myself spending far more quality time with close friends and new friends and helping out with events like the Radio Free Scarrow in 3D show and the quiz shows for the Doctor Who podcast. And there just wasn't enough gas in the tank left for doing those kinds of uh, reports. I would definitely commend to you the uh, Radio Free Scarrow um, interviews and packages that came out just machine-like throughout the convention. That's at RadioFreeScarrow.com, of course. But I did take the time during the convention to talk to a couple of people, and I'm bringing you those interviews now. I was looking for perspectives sort of behind the convention and also to find out a little bit about what differences we were seeing in Galley 22 this year and what that might say about Doctor Who fandom in general. So later on in the podcast, we'll be talking to Tadao Tomomatsu, actor, comedian, and longtime uh, Galley uh, volunteer. I consider him to be sort of an archetypal, you know, the face of the Galley volunteers. But before that, you may know if you've been listening to this podcast for a while that I am a fierce supporter of the book Chicks Dick Time Lords. I've interviewed many of the contributors over the last year or two. And Tara O'Shea is the co-editor, good friend, and we wanted to talk a little bit about what we were seeing. And when I caught up with her outside the green room, this is what she had to say. My galley thus far has been fabulous, and I have one of the things I've really, really enjoyed, uh, as I've enjoyed all of my previous five galleys, is seeing children at this convention, seeing the next generation of Doctor Who fans, and uh, knowing that in 30 years they will also be bitter and angry just like us. But seeing the kids in costume has been fantastic. Seeing uh, just the cosplayers in general, we've had not only have we had uh, women cosplaying the male characters, but this is the first year I've seen guys cosplaying the companions. Uh, there's, there was a gentleman dressed as Sarah Jane yesterday who I thought was absolutely brilliant. And um, so that's been great fun. I mean, just walking the halls, e- even before you get to a panel, it's always a good time here. Um, of the panels that I've attended, I've attended a lot of panels on uh, not just Doctor Who, but television in general, and uh, science fiction and fantasy as a storytelling medium. That's been really cool. Uh, I've been on some panels with uh, the middlemen showrunner, Javier Grugio, Mark's Watch, and uh, Haven executive producer, Jose Molina. And uh, that's been really, really great. I love uh, talking to people about the way that we tell stories and the way that we consume stories. So that's been really cool, not just in Doctor Who. What are the takeaways that you've been getting uh, from these panels? What sorts of things are these TV show runners uh, uh, sharing with folks? Well, one of the great things that I love about the panels, especially the panels where the audience participates, is the level of discourse about story, about the way that stories reflect society, the changes we'd like to see. Uh, We did a fantastic panel late last night called If Chicks Dig Time Lords Is Doctor Who Feminist? where we argued both for and against and gave examples. And that was that was really an excellent panel. I wish it could have gone on for another hour because not only did the panelists have great things to say, but the audience had fantastic things to say. And so that's been really cool. Any moments of consensus during uh, the Is Doctor Who Feminist panel? 
I think the consensus is, and reflecting society, that for all of our good intentions, we still have a long way to go. Um, and also getting people to agree on a definition of feminism is the first hurdle you always have to leap, and I'm not entirely sure we cleared it gracefully. But uh, we did talk about positive portrayals in the media and in Doctor Who of women, and uh, the best ways to treat female characters and the best ways to, tr to write women. And, and really part of the consensus that we hope to see is not only we always talk about the possibility of the Doctor regenerating as a woman. Personally, I'd like to see a woman showrunning Doctor Who. I'd like to see more female writers in Doctor Who. There have been so precious few over the 40 years. And I think that, behind the scenes, uh, will have to take place before we see a lot of um, the things we'd like to see on the series itself. And it, But certainly the Sarah Jane Adventures is an amazing spin-off in that we have um, a mature woman who is smart and, a, and an action hero. Well, not even an action hero like Sarah Connor, where you don't have to dress like a man and tote a gun in order to have those stories told about you. Uh, so that's been amazing. And also seeing uh, Sarah Jane, you know, is a portrayed as an attractive woman and an object of desire for me personally, I think is incredibly rare in today's media world. And I embrace that wholeheartedly. I think that's amazing. It, it makes you feel good for Elizabeth Sladen that she's continuing to receive that sort of respect as the lead of on, on the Sarah Jane Adventures. Well, one of the things I've loved from the very, very beginning of the Sarah Jane Adventures is uh, that they're not like Torchwood, that they don't uh, shoot first and never ask questions, that it's always, let's try to find the way to peacefully resolve this. And I, I also have always said I love the format, the old Doctor Who format of uh, half-hour shows with cliffhangers. It just, the eight-year-old inside me is always really happy. <laughs> Uh, a couple of the things that I've seen um, in the, the couple of the panels I participated in, uh, we talked about digital delivery of uh, stuff. And, and yes, this does, first of all, Galley is broad. It is a Doctor Who convention, first and foremost, but it is so much broader than that. There are so many broader opportunities. But we talked a lot about the struggle that... TV creators, show creators are having right now trying to deal with the changing media environment and how that's affecting Doctor Who. I'm so glad, for example, that BBC America is going to be showing Doctor Who finally day and date. One of the things that actually has been really cool at this convention, which I hadn't really noted before, is, um, you know, when I was talking with all the kids at the show, yesterday I was uh, sitting with a friend in the autograph line and parents would come by with paperback autograph books and the program design and a young boy walked up with an electronic signature pad so his autograph book is digital he had all of us sign his his digital uh scrapbook and i was fascinated with that uh, thinking that um this is a generation of 10 year olds out there who have grown up with the internet who have grown up with uh smartphones who have grown up with on-demand you know, no longer appointment viewing, but on-demand viewing of, of media. It's fascinating to think what it will be like in 20 years when these kids are, you know, in some cases giving us those stories, you know, working in the industry and, and they are in charge in that world. Um, and it really is like watching science fiction happen all around you. We are living in science fiction from the point of view of someone who got into fandom as a kid in the 80s. So that is just kind of wonderful to see and wonderful to think about in a way that it hadn't struck me before. Um, but certainly the way that kids relate to Doctor Who now uh, really I, I find fascinating based, you know, in contrast to how 
adults interact with Doctor Who because the show is for them. The show should always ultimately be for them to capture their hearts and minds and, and we the grown-ups will follow if it's done right. Have you had any other uh, sort of aha moments at this convention uh, about Doctor Who specifically, per, per chance, or what's the what's the vibe been like uh, as far as as far as Doctor Who this weekend? Well, seeing the crowds on Friday uh, blew me away. In part because um, Craig Ferguson on CBS has been plugging this convention on his show ever since he had uh, Matt Smith on as a guest and, and liaised with some Gallifrey One people to get the Dalek on his show, and it's seeing someone in the mainstream media geeking about Doctor Who, we haven't really seen that. We've seen a few instances where Doctor Who's been mentioned in fiction on television. I mean, certainly Alec Hardison on Leverage is one of the most uh, prominent Doctor Who fanboys in television today. Uh, But having that moment where knowing that millions of people are finding out about our little get-together at the weekend that we think of as coming out and seeing our friends and uh, being social and geeking about our favorite TV show, it's brought people who've never come to this convention before, never come to a convention before, um, to this event this weekend, and that's been really cool. I think they've already, if they have not broken 2,000 attendees, they're very close to it today on Saturday, which is usually historically the largest day of the con. We had record crowds on Friday, and that's always amazing to see um, something that you think of as, as niche and personal and private, reaching a wider audience, and it means you make new friends and meet all sorts of people you wouldn't have met otherwise, and that's always fun for me. I can't resist um, asking and checking in on Chicks Dig Time Lords one year later. Um, what's the experience been like for you, the feedback over the year, and um, looking back on it now that it's been out for a year and people have had a lot of time to encounter it uh, uh, sort of sort of fill us in. How's it been? Well, as the person who came up with the original pitch, I am incredibly, incredibly happy that the format has proved successful to the point where we are now seeing Whedonistas, which is the next book edited by Chicks Dig Time Lords co-editor Lynn Thomas, that we will in the future see more Chicks Dig books. Uh, just fills me with joy. I've had nothing but positive experiences, both online and off, uh, with people who have heard of the book or read the book and enjoyed the book. And... Um, that has been amazing. Uh, you know, I am not, I'm certainly not famous. I'm certainly not even really infamous. Um, I was just one drop in the bucket of people writing and passionate about Doctor Who. Um, but it has been incredibly lovely to meet people who read the book and it resonated with them. It resonated with their experiences, uh, regardless of their gender, regardless of their age. That has been really gratifying and really satisfying. And I hope to see that continue with uh, all of the the uh, books that Mad Norwegian publishes with Lynn Thomas and other contributors. And personally, I'm hoping for a sequel, but uh, that's for another time, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll regenerate someday. Give us about five years when we're all tired and grumpy and have opinions about the 11th Doctor era, um, other than how much we absolutely adore fish fingers and your Scottish fry something. Tara O'Shea, uh, thank you so much. It's wonderful to see you at these things, and I hope to see you at uh, Chicago or something like that soon. It is always a genuine pleasure to talk to you and to interact with everyone who, re- who listens to Two Minute Time Lord. You guys, we love you. Absolutely. You hear that, dear listener? As a Two Minute Time Lord podcast listener, you are appreciated. Revel in it. But while you're reveling, let's give a quick few minutes of time to Tadao Tomomatsu, 
volunteer who had just finished his stint, his hours-long stint, auctioneering for the Bob May Charity Auction, he was a little tired. Tada, how long have you been a uh, part of Galley? Uh, I don't know. What time is it right now? Um, I've actually been part of Galley for, uh, I guess, the last 10 years or so. I think I started with uh, Gallifrey 9 uh, when we were at a different hotel, and I've been with the convention ever since, just volunteering like crazy. I've always been a great Doctor Who fan. I've admired the show, and it's been fun. Now, one would think that uh, being swallowed by Godzilla, which you were, um, and uh, other calamities that have happened to you uh, in your acting career uh, would pale in comparison to uh, emceeing a masquerade and auctioning off lots of charity material. What is it about this convention that has made you stick with it? What is it about this? Well, the obvious parts, which most people will tell you, is, is that we all have some common interests, and we all adore Doctor Who and his various fashions and his ways. But in all honesty, it's actually just like an old family get-together. It's better than a high school reunion. It's all these people we meet with different cultures and, and friends we've met over the years. You know, we come in and they help or, you know, just good buddies. It's like a, a different type of family reunion. And uh, it's that camaraderie, that family. We all just sit down. We can laugh. We can have fun. We all have dinner together or something. It's always fun. And it's what makes them want to come back. Because, hey, buddies, pals, you know, it's not always about Doctor Who, even though it's a focal point. We all love it and tear, you know, like crazy. Um, but it's the family sort of feel. As sort of the, I, I, I've seen you the last couple of years and you sort of strike me as the archetypal uh, galley volunteer and of course there are so many others, but um, as a galley volunteer, do you get to experience galley uh, or are you so busy working on it that it's just uh, overwhelming? Well, our, I, my job here, well, my volunteering here is a kind of unique, as, as you mentioned, I do the uh, auction, I do masquerade, and in a sense... That's why I get to see, you know, when I, while I'm working on things, I get to see what's going on. I do admit I miss a lot of panels because there are things to be done, but I do enjoy being able to, you know, see other things, the art shows or the dealer's rooms and the interactions of everyone who's new, who's never seen a TARDIS before. And uh, we actually, have, yeah, I don't know if you described it, we actually have a, a full-scale TARDIS. That's a giant Chinese puzzle box, for lack of a better term. And I'm, I'm so happy that uh, I'm one of the few privileged who can, you know, go and help on this thing. I actually helped you unload some yes, of the stuff getting to it. You did very good, an excellent job. You you handle your uh, the TARDIS uh, materials very well until we can get the gravitonic generator to go. Um, and we thank you for that. I only lost one finger. Uh, okay, it's okay. We'll regenerate it later. We've got the little, you know, okay, yeah. Um, I do get to enjoy a lot of different aspects of, of the events that happen around here. Um and not always working it, and uh, it, it just depends on what you like. Um, there are people who just have to see the panels or have to see the reviews, or anything. but then the other half is, is the social interaction that happens after general hours or before general hours, or just having breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or a snack, or coffee, or, or hanging around in a room and talking about particle waveform physics, or really, the, is the coat that long? Does it have to be? The scarf was that, but does the coat have to be? And, you know, just joking. But, yeah, I do get to manage to interact and, and uh, participate and see my own things on uh, on my own. Um, rare sometimes, but, you know, like I say, it's fun. I get to do it, and it's great. Uh, what was distinctive about Galley 22? Uh, what, when, If you look back at this, comparing it to Galley's past, uh, what stood out for you? Everything stood out for me. Um, having done other conventions, you, you get 
other aspects of other science fiction and fantasy and it's like oh good grief these guys are geniuses I mean I, I don't know if you've described it we've had a canine rolling around and we've had Daleks and we've had Tiki Daleks and we've had uh, every sort of costume imagined available and it's just the energy and creativity it's like I've seen it before but this is like times 10 to the 23rd and uh, about 5 million other things it just I, I'm shocked and surprised at all the, the oh and honestly the numbers this is like the largest galley we've had ever and I'm going we're going to have our work cut out for us next year <laughs> especially since people seem to be having such a good time I've noticed some, I've noticed some growing pains but uh, it's still uh, been a fantastic uh, experience for all concerned it seems yeah, I, I, I would hope that we put up a reasonably, for the first time or at least, a very good experience for people. Um, enough of the, the show and the older shows and the newer shows just mixed to say, hey, this is how long it's been going. This is some of the old crew, some of the new crew, and you'll fit in no matter where. You've, you've been a very funny, very inviting and very welcome part of the galley experience for all the newcomers and uh, old hands alike who've seen um, the masquerade and the auction and uh, it's a pleasure to get the chance to talk to you thank you so much Tadao Tamamatsu uh, thank you very much and I hope to see you again and just always remember the only reason that that works is because I have a great face for radio I can I can confirm that to the listener thank you <laughs> thank you we're almost done with galley retrospectives uh, on the Two Minute Time Lord podcast, but only almost. I had hoped to include uh, a little talk with Sean Lyon, taking a look back at uh, how the convention worked from his perspective. Sean's the program director and really the linchpin behind the whole convention. And I also wanted to talk with him about a uh, former galley guest, the man who passed away the day after galley, the brigadier himself, Nicholas Courtney. Unfortunately, Sean's under the weather, but he's asked to come back on at some point next week, and I hope to catch up with him on both of those topics. Some final thoughts, personal thoughts uh, about uh, Galley. As I said at the beginning, this year, much more than last year, it was about reconnecting with friends old and connecting with friends new. It was important to me. I had some wonderful, moving, and uh, actually changing conversations with uh, some folks that I really appreciated. I also had the opportunity on Friday to help a newcomer to uh, the convention who'd just flown in from a New England state to try to help acclimate her to it. And if you're listening, if I was a little too overbearing about it, I apologize. I wanted to help you really integrate into this most fabulous convention. And that's what Galley is. I'm so looking forward to returning to it next year, knock on wood. And there will be some other opportunities for me to uh, go to conventions over the next year and interview folks and share those with you uh, as the time comes. So, one more interview episode with Sean Lyon coming up, and then we'll be back to normal two-minute Time Lord podcast reality. I hope you'll hang with me for that. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes at TWOMinuteTimeLord.com or on iTunes. And I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.